Well, hello, church. I want to greet everyone at every single location. Come on, can we put our hands together and make everybody feel welcome, make them feel loved? Come on, church, like you really love some people today. Oh, man, it's so good, so good to be with you. My name is Will. I'm the lead pastor at Two Rivers Church. I want you to look right at the screen, and I'm going to look right into the camera, and I want you to hear this right from the bottom of my heart, that I love you, I care about you, I am super stoked to be with you right now. Everybody that is joining us online, one more time, church, can we put our hands together and make them feel welcome, make them feel loved? You guys are absolutely the best. I want you to comment, let us know where you're joining us from. It's so good to be with you. We are today picking up with the series that we've been doing on the last Sunday. When we do fifth Sundays, we have all the kids come from the children's areas, and they have us join in the church. Come on, kids, let me hear you guys make some noise. All the kids in the house, yeah. So good to have you. And we do something in this series called Bless This Home. We do Family Worship Sunday because we think some things are better caught than they are taught, and sometimes we think it's good for our kids to see us worshiping. It's good for our kids to see us giving. It's good for our kids to see us taking notes. And if you didn't get any notes, I'm gonna have the ushers come at every single location. Just slip your hand up in the air and they're gonna make sure that you get notes to file along today. And we're gonna make sure that today you have the ability to participate. So this is the Bless This Home series. We've been talking about in this series what blessing is. We started out at the very beginning of the year. We talked about the blessing of rootedness. That blessing flows from the roots of stability in somebody's life. You're not going to be blessed. We said without the root, there is no fruit. That actually any blessing that's going to take place in your life comes from some commitments that you have to make in your life. And those two primary commitments, the blessing of rootedness, the roots that transfer blessing in every way is that your commitment to Jesus and your commitment to the church, that all blessing is going to flow as you participate in life in Jesus and life in the church. If you're unfaithful to Jesus and you're unfaithful to the church, you're not going to have blessing in the same degree. So we've, we've been in that, and now next week we're going to pick up with our series that we've been in, the series, Who is God? And, and next week we're going to talk about the question, what makes God, God? And then in two weeks we're going to start up the Blockbuster Weekend series, and I can't wait to get involved, and that's going to be a ton of fun. So I want you, maybe it's on your notes, maybe you haven't, don't have it written down, but you could write this down, what the blessing is. Because the blessing is a supernatural impartation of the power of God spoken over someone through delegated authority. So that's a long, sort of complicated definition of what the blessing is. It's a supernatural impartation of the power of God. It is spoken over someone through delegated authority. And this is demonstrated in the Word where God the Father speaks blessing over Abraham. In fact, you could view the whole Bible in terms of blessings. As soon as God creates everything in Genesis, 
You see blessing, blessing, blessing. Then sin enters, and now comes the curse. And you begin to see curse, curse, curse. Now when we get to Genesis chapter 12, you start to see all of the sudden God is working to reverse the curse. And wherever God goes, whatever God's doing, he's beginning to undo what we did in the garden. The curse that we brought on our life through sin. And so God the Father speaks blessing over Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 2. It says this, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The blessing in this sense, we give you this really clinical definition of what blessing is, but blessing in this sense cannot be understood apart from the presence of God in someone's life. That actually scripturally what defines the blessing is the overflow of the presence of God. When we read this in in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, what we see over and over is God saying, I will, I will, I will, I will. That God is doing some things for Abraham. And what most of us get excited about is all the things that God's going to do. But what they would have been most excited about, the people who encounter God... They get excited about the presence of God. That actually what happens is we see when Cain is cursed, we see that what's happening is he says, look, I'm going to lose the blessing. The the ground is going to be hard for me. It's not going to produce the overflow. But I'm going to be removed from your presence, God. That actually what's happening is that God's presence brings blessing and is the primary blessing. It follows that one of the ways we function to be like God is then for us to be a blessing to the people around us. Can I get a good amen? Amen. That if I'm going to be like God, I bless those that are around me. I don't just bless them verbally. I'm an actual, like, I'm fun to be around. You want to be around me. You want, like, like the way I see Jesus, Jesus' blessing was whether, if you were far from God, you wanted to hang out with Jesus. Now, sometimes I get a little annoyed with Christians that people who aren't Christians don't want to be with them. And so you got to start asking the question, why, does, why do non-believers not want to hang out with me? And I would suggest to you it's because you're not a blessing. Like, you just need some good, like, let me get some sandpaper out. Let's smooth off the rough edges. Let's don't be jerks. Let's get it be enjoyable, right? Like, like be a blessing, y'all. Can I get another good amen, everyone? Some people are like, I'm going to leave this church. I don't like this pastor. He told me that I'm a jerk. God bless you. 
we're going to love each other, right? So, so this is the whole idea that, that we're going to be a blessing, that my presence in the room ought to be a blessing. And really, if you think about that in the context of your family, when we're saying bless this home, we know automatically, don't we, that if a father, his presence in the room isn't a blessing, nobody wants to be in that room. The very presence of the father. Like my dad grew up never knowing his father. And he spent his entire life looking for his birth dad. That there's something about being in the room with his father that would have done something to bless him. That there's something about our lives that if we're not in the presence of Almighty Father, we're missing something. In the same way, that same orientation extends into our own household. That God's calling us to not just say, God bless this house, but as mother and father in our households, to be a blessing in our households. So Esau, you see Jacob and Esau, they're getting ready to be blessed. And their father, Isaac, had a clear favorite in the home. Isaac liked Esau. And Jacob was always not enough in the household. And Jacob craved his father's blessing so much that he deceived his dad in order to get it. And this blessing mattered. In our lives, our kids thirst for parental acceptance. A little bit of validation from mom and dad. A voice, a soothing voice to reinforce our children's worth. What you see with Isaac is he blesses Jacob and then Esau comes and he begins to weep and he says in Genesis chapter 27 verse 8, Esau said to his father, do, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. This because Isaac didn't know how to, he had picked a favorite and he thought he was giving everything to the one son. That son usurped and stole that blessing. And actually Esau's left without and he wept, he weeps aloud. This is the cry of many households where children are living in homes where one child is favored over the other and parents aren't able to give the blessing to their children. So Jacob chose a favorite. What Esau sees and what many of us understand, what was withheld from you, we cannot give to the next generation. It's the whole idea of bless us home is we gotta break the generational curse we got to put a stop to all the dysfunction. we got to put a stop 
to the, my dad was an alcoholic or my dad was filled with anger and rage and I swore that when I got older, I wasn't going to be an alcoholic and I wasn't going to be filled with anger and rage. And yet, you discover the cats in the cradle with the silver spoon. The little boy blew something about the man on the moon. Um, I'm just like you, Dad. I'm just like you. We didn't think we were going to repeat that cycle, but we do. And it's really important for us, if we're going to impart blessing, that we got to remove the cursing in our lives. That we got to start to overflow with the abundance of the Lord. In the way that works, I didn't receive from my earthly dad all that I wished I would have received. Maybe you didn't get from your mom all that you wanted from your mom. They withheld or they gave curses actively, cursing you, speaking negatively over your life, putting you down, just physically beating you. Maybe there were, they didn't protect you. Maybe they didn't put fences around your life. They withheld blessing from you. And what we have to do now is we have to go to God. And we have to say, God, I have deficit in my life. I'm looking for validation that I can't find anywhere. I've been looking all my whole life for validation, and I can't find that validation. And God can make up for that lack of blessing in your life because God is the ultimate blesser. God is the ultimate outpouring of favor and generosity into our lives. And so we go to God to get that love tank filled up. Blessing isn't for us just to speak well. It's not just enough for us to say, oh, children, I believe in you. For fathers, I'm going to speak to you a lot in today's message. I'm calling you out to stand up in your household, to be a man of God, to tell your wife and your children that we are going to church, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, that there is a moment you've made a decision, this is what matters in my household. That I'm putting God first, and because I've put God first, now there's going to be a source of life that flows into me, and the more God goes into me, the more blessing comes out of me. So don't fight me on going to church because it's going to be good for you. If we don't go to church this week, it ain't going to be good for you. Tracking me? That's what we just got to decide. This is the way it is in my household. Dads, don't let anyone discourage you, make you feel like a phony, or make you feel like you're inauthentic, or that somehow I failed during the week, and now I can't lead. Your family needs you to dust yourself off, stand up one more time in the grace and the love of Jesus, and say, I'm going to go to Jesus, and you're going to come with me. So there's some things in life that have to be non-negotiables. That's how blessing flows out of men of God who stand firm in their faith and in their convictions. It's not enough for us to speak well of our children. It's important that the man of God be filled with steel, 
We have to be filled with iron. You touch me the right way, I'm velvet. You touch me wrong, I'm steel. It's going to hurt. And then we've made some decisions around what correction looks like, in what direction looks like, in what discipline looks like, that we do those things well without bringing a curse. Because to not bring discipline into your household is to bring a curse to the people that are around you. That discipline in your household brings blessing. There's no life. There's a a wishy-washiness in our culture today where people believe that our household can be blessed if we just let our children do whatever they want to do. We don't make them go to church because we want them to make that decision for their own. You're telling me you'd let your kids eat candy for every meal? No, you pick their meals because you know what's good for them. And in my house, I know what's good spiritually for my children, and I'm going to decide for them that they're going to meet with Jesus. I'm going to put them in the opportunity. I can lead those horses to water. I can't make them drink. That's why you got to go to a good church with a great children's ministry. Come on, kids. Can we give it up for all of our kids workers? Y'all are amazing. Come on, somebody. So I'm going to give you a few key elements of imparting blessing in your house. You can just write these down in your notes. Number one, if you want to impart blessing, then you need to utilize meaningful and appropriate touch. Write that word down in your notes. Meaningful and appropriate touch. In Genesis chapter 27, verse 26, Isaac is getting ready to bless Jacob. He thinks it's Esau. And Isaac, then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. Now, in our context today, I read that and I hear that. I'm sort of like, dad's asking his son to kiss him. That's a little intimate. Doesn't that sound a little intimate? Is that my, I'm the only one that's like little, like, hold on a second. So, so what we have to do is we have to reclaim appropriate and meaningful touch once again. But dads, the only thing if your children are feeling from you is the rod of correction, they will fear their father rather than respect and revere their father. Jesus laid his hands on the children to bless them, not to harm them, not to hurt them. That blessing is the appropriate use of touch. So with our children, we hug them well, tickle them well, brush their hair, sit on the side of their bed, pray with them at night, Cover them with appropriate touch. Create an atmosphere of caring affirmation. We have to fight to create that healthy intimacy in our homes. Fences that keep out the bad and create room inside of that healthy boundary for things to grow. So touch is the process of transfer of blessing. We we practice touch because that is transferring something. Every time the priest would 
put their hands on the sacrifice and on the person who sinned, they were transferring the sin off of that person into the sacrifice. And in many ways, our children are carrying things in their lives, anxiety, depression, a lack of love, a lack of self-worth, that we have to be able to come in, put our hands on them, touch them in a way, and transfer out of their life the things that don't belong. Negative touch transfers into their life pain. It devalues them. The reverse of that is positive touch, good discipline, caring, affirmations. It instills into them love and redemptive correction. So number two is talk. A key element of imparting blessing, if we're going to touch, we're going to then talk. Talk is a spoken message. The impartation of blessing requires us to not just remain silent, but we have to use our voice to declare out loud a few things. So an example of this is in Genesis chapter 27, verse 26. As Isaac is now blessing Jacob, he says this, So he went to him and kissed him, referring to Jacob. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. What we see here is that Isaac is speaking something over his son. So men of God, we got to speak over our children. We speak over our spouses that we've been given delegated authority in our household to be the priest of the home, prophet, priest, and king, that you're given direction for where the household is going to go as a prophet, you're given direction and correction as the king, and as the priest, you minister in your household, not just spiritually, but in care and in every way. So we speak life over our children. We speak correction and direction. We give them wisdom. We give them insight. Over our spouses, we speak well of them. How, how, does, how do these pants make me look? They make you look amazing. You make those pants look amazing. And we just speak life, speak blessing. If you don't believe that this is powerful, consider the opposite. Speak negatively over your children. Has anyone had a parental authority figure speak negatively over your life? What is the impact of that negative talk? Did anything transfer into you? Did anything get a hold of you and lodge into your spirit? That same authority that was used for evil, when you speak well, when you speak life, has a reversing impact. The devil wanted you to experience the curse, but God wants you to experience the blessing. That we get blessed by God, and what happens, men, you've been bottling up 
because you didn't receive affirmation or you don't feel comfortable with your emotions or you don't feel comfortable with giving words generously, you've been bottling up the blessing of God inside of your life and you need to open your mouth and speak life and speak blessing and get in touch with some of those feelings and some of those emotions because if you withhold them, you're hurting the next generation. And so consider how much it's missed in your life. And the damage, if, if somebody didn't even say anything negatively over you, but never spoke positively over you, you would spend your life craving the blessing. And so we got to release the blessing. So here's the elements of blessing in the talk. Genesis chapter 27, verse 28. This is what Isaac says. is make God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness in abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. So I'm going to break this down into something that you can make a little bit of sense of because you're probably not going to talk to your kids in that same way. That's a little bit different than how we talk today. But I want you, when you can write this down in your notes, the spoken message, if you want to transfer the blessing into your kid's life through the way you talk, you need to, in your words for your children, for your spouse, for the people that you're blessing, attach high value to them. Attach high value to them. And then, in the way you speak about them, and this is more definitively now a blessing, more than speaking affirmation. Because there's another level that comes when you begin to describe or picture a special future for your child. That's where we see that example in Genesis 27, verse 28. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness. In abundance of grain and new wine. This is high value. Anybody who has all that must be somebody special. May the nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. And may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. This is somebody who has high value. And what's happening in the blessing is now Isaac is carving out space prophetically for Jacob. And Jacob lives into all of this. That actually what was spoken over Jacob took place. That this blessing, this prophetic future that's spoken over their life comes to pass. So how do we do this? When do we do it? We find appropriate moments for regular talk that is loaded with high value and special future. So the way that I do that in my household every night before bed, I sit down with my children and I'm going to pray with them. We might do family devotions together where we read the word and we'll pray together. And then my kids, if I try to lay in bed, they're going to say, Dad, you going to come tuck me in? Because what they've done is they've, they've begun to crave the blessing in their life. That they won't allow me to go to sleep until I've blessed them. 
So I come and I sit down in the bed and I'll tickle their face, run my hand through their hair, tickle their arms. It feels good, it feels comfortable, it feels safe. And then I begin to pray a prayer of blessing over their life. Each one of them, I have different words of blessing that I speak. It's individualized, age appropriate, and appropriate to who they are. And I'll modify that blessing based off of what was going on in the day. Maybe they had a rough time at school. Maybe they didn't do great on one of their grades. And I say, Lord, open their mind. Bless them at school. Make them the smartest kid in the class. Give them the right students to be around them. Give them the right teachers to be around them. That you'd, they'd increase in the wisdom and knowledge and their brains would open right up. They're going to be the best tomorrow at everything that they do. And then I speak some other words over them, and I bless them in Jesus' name, amen. And then what we do is every night I say, I love you. You're amazing for the girls. You're the most beautiful girl that ever walked the face of the planet. And I tell them both. Each one thinks they're the most beautiful there ever was. And, and I bless them. Because I believe that their future is going to be better because I'm carving out for them the space in which they can live into. So number three, I'm going to have the team come back. We're getting ready to wrap all this up. Is time. Time. The key element of imparting the blessing is time. If the number one piece of blessing in your life is God's presence with you, that actually what's happening is God is now with me, then what's happening in my life is I need to be with my family. I need to be with my wife. I need to be with my kids. And they have good radar for this. I said, Dad, what, where, what are you doing? Where are you going? They're, they're going to start clamoring for my attention. Now, I don't give it to them just because they ask for it. I give it to them based on priority. My life is lived in a decision-making matrix that my time with God is the most important thing. That if I don't get it time with God, then all my other time is disordered and doesn't work right. And I'm not going to be a blessing to be around. And I'm going to be cranky and I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be nasty. I'm not going to be the type of man that would be a blessing to be around. So what I have to do is I have to rightly order my life. I'm going to spend time with the Lord. Then my kids could bang their pots and pans all day long. But if I had spent time with my wife, it's tough noogies for them. That I got a commitment to my spouse first. It goes God, Crystal, then the kids. Your ki my kids aren't going to come between my wife and I. That what's best for my children is that I have an intact, healthy marriage. I know they want me. They want my time. They want to be with me right now. But you know what? They're not going to get much time if our time's only on the weekends every other week. When mom and dad are divorced, that is far more detrimental to a child's life than when mom and dad are intact and functioning well. 
So as much as they want to bang their pots and pans, they can pound sand. I'm going to spend time with Crystal. And that's a real blessing to them. The other thing that's happening is I'm modeling for them what a husband looks like. What it looks like to value a woman and put her in front of other things. To say, this is my commitment that I made before God, that I'm going to honor my spouse. And my kids know when I'm going to do time with Crystal, they better back up. We're going to get our time together. Because that matters. They need to see. They, they'll, I'll start kissing my wife in front of my kids. And they'll all get all like, oh, that's so gross. Oh, stop it. And we kiss a little bit more. We get in a little deeper on that. Because what's happening is my kids need to know that my affection is rightly placed. I'm not going to let my eyes wander and appreciate other women. I'm not going to, as we're driving down the street, be rubbernecking. That my wife gets my attention. My wife gets my eyes. My wife gets my affection. That I made a commitment to her, and I'm giving her my life. I'm going to be a man of God, and I'm going to serve God with all that I have. And man of God, I'm challenging you that you stand up and put your wife in the place of honor in your household. That you'd open the door for her. You'd love on her. You'd take care of her. Protect her the way God has called you to fight for your household. Then the time for my children takes place. You know what you haven't heard yet? You haven't heard the church. And I love all y'all, but I don't love you more than my wife and my kids. So sometimes people are, Pastor, won't you come to the hospital? Won't you do these things? And my answer is no, I'm not going to. And I know you're in an emergency, and I know you think you need me, but honestly, I'm not going to lose my family, and I'm not going to lose my wife for you. God loves you, and he's got a whole church full of people that are going to help. If I didn't show up, somebody from Two Rivers Church did, somebody from your small group, somebody around you, but I promise you that I'm not going to be there for you. I'm going to be there for my wife and my kids because I'm honoring the Lord with my life and with my time. Now, that sounds a little bit like, oh my goodness, pastor's not going to be a pastor. It's the best thing you've ever heard. Because what I'm doing is modeling what it looks like to follow Jesus. That if I put my career in front of my wife and my kids, then it gives every other person the excuse to put their career in front of their spouse and their kids. And you know where your career ranks in God's orientation for your life? Behind God, behind your spouse, behind your children, and then hear this, behind the mission of the church. Is that right, pastor? Does the mission of the church take precedent over making money? Listen to me. When you decided to be a follower of Jesus, he reoriented every aspect of your life. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And Jesus says to die, I want you to come and follow me. I'm going to make you 
fishers of men. He's not just saying that about the disciples. He's saying that about all of us. That our lives have been reoriented around one mission. That is the Great Commission. And we're going to live out that mission appropriately. Now let me paint a picture for you in your life. If we're going to take Binghamton, Cortland, and Corning, man of God, you got to stand up and fight for your house. you got to stand up and fight for your children. you got to stand up and fight for your church. And one of the ways that you're going to do that is you're going to give your best at work. You're going to make more money and you're going to be more accountable with your finances. We're going to serve and we're going to take over our cities by being men of God in positions of authority, in positions of influence, and standing for the kingdom of God, in using all of our resources, we're going to make more money and utilize that money for the kingdom of God. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Come on. So all of that has to do with being present. There's a priority level to how I'm present. If we get that out of order in our household, it's going to mess things up. Rules without relationship is going to breed rebellion. Relationship without rules is going to breed resentment. What we've got to do is men of God is stand up in our homes, make a plan, Decide that we're going to fight for our families. Decide that we're going to be a blessing. We're going to impart our talk, our touch, our time. We're going to be a blessing to the world around us. We're going to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in our households. We're going to bless this house. And when we bless our household, it's going to bless the house of God. And when we bless the house of God, it blesses the city around us. And we bless the city around us, it blesses the state and the nation around us. It begins to overflow into the nations. God, his plan for your life and the plan for increase and overflow begins in your household. So make a plan of action to impart blessing to your family. There's a space on your notes. You can figure out and write down a specific way what that might look like for you to impart blessing. Maybe you have toddlers. Maybe they're in elementary school. Maybe they're teenagers. There's different levels of how that blessing would take place and what that might look like, but I want to encourage you to make a plan to do that today. I want to pray for you. Maybe bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Jesus, I pray now, and I call out the men of God. I'm calling them to stand up and stand firm, to plant their roots deep, that as they get rooted, there's going to be overflow in every area of their life. We're rooting ourselves in you, Jesus. We're rooting ourselves in the church. We're making decisions that we're not going to live according to our failures, We're going to live according to the blessing that the curse in our lives will not be passed on to the next generation. The curse is broken in every household as men of God stand up to take their place. Jesus, I pray for blessing and overflow for every household without a father. God, I pray for blessing and overflow in every child 
the sound of my voice, that every one of us would make a difference to bless our house. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody together said, Amen. Amen.